our Behind the Murder segment a little bit differently. Our guest had to get going, so... um, Wait, I don't need to tell y'all all this. Now you're going to know of how the sausage is made. And you know what? It's not like you're not going to eat it anymore. You've already turned this episode on. So go on a journey with me. So, of course, we've been doing our off-the-record segment, which is our music history segment. And this month, we're doing bah, 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 Behind the Murders, looking into the murders of famous and not-so-famous musicians. I found a crazy story here. Now, most of you probably won't know who this person is, but the story is going to stick with you. I'm talking about Jaco Pastorius. Here's an interesting article about Jocko's big contributions to music. Who invented the fretless electric bass? Urban legend credits jazz bass master Jocko Pastorius. But whether this statement is true or not, he certainly popularized it before fretless basses were common or even in commercially available. Jocko removed the frets of his 1962 Fender jazz bass, then filled the grooves and slathered the fretboard with layers of marine epoxy, the kind of tough varnish you'd find on the hull of a boat. That hard surface on what he affectionately called his bass of doom provided the necessary slickness for which his trademark melodic singing sound evolved. A man who dipped his fingers in chicken grease before performing, which he considered to give his playing an extra smooth touch, Jaco took jazz bass to another level. Up until 1970, bass would mostly... Bass was mostly a background instrument, with most jazz basses playing acoustic upright bass, whereas Jacko played electric bass guitar, let alone a fretless one. He played it fast and loud as a lead instrument while singing and doing flips, often performing barefoot and shirtless. No one knows what year the frets came off of his bass, but Jacko made his debut with the jazz supergroup Weather Report on their 1976 album Black Market and established himself as the band's sole bassist on their next album Heavy Weather, which included the Grammy-nominated hit Birdland. Often he used artificial harmonics. This technique involved lightly touching, but not putting pressure on a string with your fretting hand, then using another finger to play the note, thereby playing and stopping the note at the same time. The result sound was complex, almost bell-like. Listen to an excellent example on this technique in the intro to Birdland at the 0.19 mark. Although you may not even recognize it as a bass at first, Pastorius plays the phrase high up on the neck making it sound more like a lead guitar than a bass. Just really a creative pioneer when it came to music and sound and the different uses of the bass. Um, He was never afraid to experiment. Jaco incorporated Afro-Cuban rhythms as well as R&B and funk sensibilities into his repertoire. He collaborated with an extremely diverse range of musicians from jazz greats such as Pat Metheny, Herbie Hancock, and Wayne Shorter to mainstream artists like Joni Mitchell and Ian Hunter of classic rock band Mott the Hoople. Even Metallica bassist Robert Trujillo cited Jaco as one of his bass heroes. Jaco Pastorius left the world far too soon at the tender age of 35 when he died of sustained injuries after a bar fight. During his time with Weather Report, Pastorius began abusing alcohol and illegal drugs, which exacerbated his existing mental problems and led to erratic behaviors. He left Weather Report in 1982 due to clashes with tour commitments for his other projects, plus a growing dissatisfaction with Zawinul's synthesized and orchestrated approach to the band's music. So he continues to grow, join other bands, doing more things, really doing some awesome stuff, but here when things get a little crazy for him. Pastorius developed a self-destructive habit of provoking bar fights and allowing himself to be beaten up. After sneaking on stage at a Santana concert at the Sunrise Musical Theater in Sunrise, Florida on September 11th, 1987 and being ejected from the premises, he made his way to the Midnight Bottle Club in Wilton Manors. 
After reportedly kicking in a glass door, having been refused entrance in the club, he went in on a violent confrontation with Lou Kavan, a club employee who was a martial arts expert. Pistorius was hospitalized for multiple facial fractures and injured to his right eye and left arm and fell into a coma. There were encouraging signs that he would come out of the coma and recover, but they soon faded. A brain hemorrhage a few days later led to a brain death. He was taken off life support and died on September 21st, 1987 at the age of 35 at Broward General Medical Center in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Pistorius was buried in Section L Block. Wow, okay, they give you so many details. Are y'all going to go digging him up? Please don't. But he is buried in Fort Lauderdale. Now, Luke Haven, that's the martial arts security, faced a charge of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to 22 months in prison and five years probation. After serving four months in prison, he was paroled for good behavior. Damn. I, I'm not saying this guy deserved to die, but... I, I mean, it was his job to guard the door. I, I feel like 22 months is a lot for, I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, he definitely got more consequences than a lot of other people uh, would have. Who knows? Okay. So I would be remiss not to ask our producer, Rye, about this. Because you, you went to school for jazz. Like, you know this stuff, right? A little bit, yes. I could say so. Okay. Card carrying. So my brain, I cannot just fathom why he would just show up at a concert and expect to get in and then like why he was beaten to death like it, was he was he just completely unhinged or like why did he why did he just assume he was going to get on stage at this concert I mean from my understanding like he had a personal relationship with Santana I think there's actually performance videos of them uh playing together um oh. I, but I do know they had like somewhat of a friendly relationship and I think he was invited by Santana, um, as the legend goes. So he kind of was expecting to just show up at a buddy's gig, as you do. But Santana's performing, the band's performing. I guess nobody put him on the guest list. And when a belligerent dude shows up backstage being like, I'm Santana's best friend, people are going to kind of like doubt that. And they're going to be like, no, get out of here. Like, we're kicking you out. And, uh, and he was kind of like, you know, don't you know who I am? I'm Jocko Pistorius. Like, I'm the greatest bass player alive. And they're like, yeah, right, bud, like you and everybody else. And they kind of just turned him the other way. And that was one reason that I've also heard he, was, he showed up at this bar angry. Like, he was mad. He was a mad drunk because he got turned away from one of his friend's shows. And he was kind of picking fights. And like, like that article states... Uh, he, like, liked to get into bar fights for whatever reason because he would just get twisted, you know? I'm, I'm so confused by the phrasing, too, because it says that he had a habit of getting into bar fights intentionally to get beat up. And I'm like, uh, did he like getting into bar fights and he just couldn't fight? Or, like... I mean, I think, like, like, he was a big guy. Like, Jocko is, like, six three, six, four. He was tall and he was a strong guy. I've met his son, Felix Pistorius, before. Wow. He's also a really tall guy. I mean, the ha dude's hands are huge. Um, and he played, like, he had the bass with him that is, like, the fabled bass that they ripped the frets out of. Um, it, yeah, Jocko is a big guy. And uh, I think he was just, like, a little too out of his mind to, uh, you know, fight. So he'd pick these fights and, like, start talking smack. And then basically get his ass handed to him because he was too belligerent to like really see straight oh wow the fretter the fretless not fretterless i keep getting like the, like it's a fretter it's a it's a bass fretter the fretless guitar or i'm sorry fretless bass guitar is such a cool concept to me was he ever credited for that like was he paid for it i know like now major 
guitar manufacturers like Fender make guitars this way and it became like an influential part of the sound but like did he, does he like get a like does his estate get a credit for this or um, did his idea just become a new standard and he never got anything for it I don't believe he ever got credited for it I think for one he kind of passed away by the time it was starting to become uh like a regularly manufactured thing but you know when you're talking about guys like this, it's like, he's a hippie. Like he wasn't looking to cash in on something. To my knowledge, he, I think he had maybe a Fender sponsorship or an endorsement for a while. So he probably received some bases and maybe they started, uh, manufacturing one like that for him specifically. So he didn't have to do it himself. Uh, but to my knowledge, no, he wasn't like really, I mean, he's, he's widely credited as in, it's like an understood thing that he conceptualized the fretless bass. But, no, he, I don't think his estate receives money for it. That's lame. That's lame. I would, I would, uh, if I was his son, I'd be pulling up with some chicken grease on my fingers to fight Fender for (laughs) my dad's idea. But let me not encourage more fighting and more violence. It didn't work out. His son's a a really chill dude, too. He's like, he also seems like he's too chill to get in a legal battle with, uh, you know, (laughs) with a giant guitar company. That that sounds like, yeah, that sounds like more work than it's worth for sure. That is so interesting. Well, as someone who is a music lover, but not necessarily like an expert, it's always so interesting to hear the stories. Sometimes people who, uh, you know, are instrumentalists and not necessarily like lead singers have had much more exciting lives than you can even think of. Like as someone who doesn't know music like you know music because you know you're a scholar you went to school for this i was fascinated by the story so thank you for telling me that background about that i appreciate you right yes i'm happy to um lend some background knowledge fun fact i actually wayne cochran and the cc writers i own the organ that was played in that band i met a guy in peoria illinois i purchased mm-hmm. his organ with my girlfriend and uh he was like yeah i used to play this bass with jocko or i used to play this organ with jocko um, and it sits in my basement now and I get to play it. And sometimes I'm like, oh, this was on stage with Jocko, like in the early years before anybody knew who Jocko was. Just what a- I told you that it's like probably got his spirit and his energy on it and you should like put some crystals by it. It's got some sag energy to it for sure. Like just looking at this <laughs> thing in the corner of my room, I def- it's coming off. And uh, Tom, Tom, the guy I got it from was also a very interesting fellow himself. So. He was, yeah. yeah, he's like, yeah, Jocko helped me carry this organ up the stairs one time. I'm like, that's awesome. And very, I'm probably more nerding out about it than I need to, but I like having it, so. No, I, I mean, that sounds amazing. That sounds like such a cool, if, if somebody was like, this is Wanda Sykes's Afro pick, I'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I will cherish this forever. <laughs> Like, when someone you admire who does a cool thing has a thing, it's cool as hell. Thank you so much for explaining this, y'all. Y'all y'all give it up for Rye coming up and, and, and educating me, because I'm not going to lie, you guys won't hear this because he's an amazing editor, but the way I was mispronouncing these slightly, these names, he just swooped in to save me from something very embarrassing, so thank you. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rhythm and Bay, the best podcast that you haven't told your family about because you're trying actively to hurt my feelings. That's okay. I <laughs> Our guest is just like, oh, she all right? I'm never okay. No, I'm super excited. <laughs> super excited today. As always, I have got a guest that I am super excited about. Mike, 
say hello to the people. Mike, I love you so Carosa, much. You got it. Don't Thank worry you. about it. You were on the right track. I just track. didn't trust myself. <laughs> it's okay. A lot of myself. people don't. It's a <laughs> lot. I, you know what? A lot of people don't pronounce it right because I don't, I don't pronounce it right. I tell everybody it's Carosa because it's just like a, it's just like an easier pronunciation specifically for like Canadians and Americans who are just going to be like Carosa. I'm like, that's fine. But like, if you were my parents, uh, they are mad at me for pronouncing it this way. They're like, it's Carosa. You have to have like a, a little bit of a bounce. You have to throw in a rolled R. And I'm like, do I have to do the hands too? And I don't want Carosa. There we Close. go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was more shoulders than ours. Uh, our had, wonderful guest had of the day. The hands in the frame, though, so like it was part of it. <laughs> Mike Carosa, um, all the way from Canada. That is the beauty yeah. of podcasting. We can get together. I met you at Limestone Festival back in 2019, right. when it felt right. like the world was in our in our hands and everything. It was, was good. so nice. I feel like I have to clarify that I was not on Limestone uh, because a lot of people assumed that I was because I was hanging out. Uh, but I was there with a buddy of mine who was touring, who one of the headliners took me on the road with them. And uh, that's yeah. So I had to clarify. Don't want to upset Jared or Matt. Uh, that's all. Okay. He's got this Limestone clout. He's like, no, I'll get it eventually, I think. That's a confidence. I got it. Okay. I think so. I think you'll do it and do great. That is so funny, the networking and the hanging of it all. Like just hanging it's out so with friends funny. and then you meet other people you never know. Uh, and it can be exciting. You meet new people and get to talk and be around. So how have things been for you? I know I'm, <laughs> I feel like I've been accused <laughs> of talking about COVID too much. But every time I talk to a person right. from another part of the country, I'm like, how's it going? How are y'all hanging over there? Yeah. What's it like? Uh, honestly, it's been a lot better lately. Like when it all started, I have, I, I have sleep apnea and I have a small windpipe. A respirologist was like, you gotta take care of yourself. And I was like, cool, you got it. And then, uh, so when COVID hit, I was like, I'm never, I don't want to leave my house. Uh, I moved back from, I moved back to Montreal from Toronto I had to live with my folks for a little while before moving back to Toronto eventually. Um, so I was really cautious and everything. And I, as soon as they were like, hey, if you're fat, you can get the vaccine sooner. And I was like, cool. Can I also be like, I have sleep apnea? They were like, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to cut some lines. They're like, okay. And I got the vaccine. I'm double vaxxed up and yeah. I'm all set. Like I, since then, Montreal has been kind of good with like regulations relaxing. We've, uh, we've had uh, vaccine passports uh, introduced. So like an app on your phone with a QR code that they scan and they're like, yeah, this person's double vaxxed and they can come in uh, to kind of encourage people to get the vaccine and everything. So uh, I've been feeling a lot safer. I've been doing a lot of shows. I did just for laughs this summer, which was like a pared down version of the festival, but it was still the festival and it was very nice, but it does mean that I haven't been able to travel as much as I want to. So like I was going to go to Burlington and Vermont, uh, one weekend to feature and to hang out. Uh, but I uh, couldn't do that because they still hadn't lifted and still have not lifted the border restrictions on ground travel. Yeah. So, and uh, I was going to be in Idaho at the end of this month, but the person that I was going to stay with and uh, do shows with was like, yeah, I got COVID. Everybody in my family got COVID. We're going to do shows in their backyard and like a couple shows in nearby towns. And they were like, yeah, the Delta variant is like, this is the breeding grounds because Idaho's stupid as fuck. And I have to say that, yeah, Idaho, you're being dumb. You're being so fucking stupid. 
Uh, I can't. I can pass zero judgment because you know I'm from Texas. So I just been <laughs> in the fuck yeah. of it, just uh-huh. in, in in the fuck of it. Like it's been uh-huh. such a mess. I did a show. I was in. I have been performing in Texas, and I'm the only person who wears masks anywhere I go. I get looks. Uh, just are you for uh, real? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy. Most of the time, there are people who are nice, and then they go, oh, oh okay, and they're like. Mm-hmm. They kind of treat it like it's like, oh, um, she's one of those people who believes in ghosts. So let me kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they think they're honoring my traditions. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Like, let me be respectful of your COVID religion. Hold on. You know what I mean? And they're kind <laughs> about it. But you can tell they feel like you can tell the second they walk away. It's just it's always so funny to meet someone who has really bad mask habits because you can tell they haven't worn mm. one the whole time. I just got back from where was I? Where was I? Where was I? Oh, my God. All these days are blending together. Nashville, Nashville on the nice. flight from Nashville to L.A. There's this guy next to me who every time I look over, his mask was around his neck. And I just look and he'd go, oh, okay. <laughs> like, uh, he's are like, we oh, not serious this? about it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, and don't no. let these people get a bag of chips because they will eat. <laughs> when, I have never seen people eat this slow. It's like, no, come on. I know you don't eat this slow. You're taking mm-hmm. up all the armrest. You are not a cautious person. <laughs> So, yeah, mm. Fort Worth was wild. I had a joke about um, uh, talking about my experience getting vaccinated because like yourself, I'm overweight. Um, which is just so funny, though, because you find out. <laughs> um, <laughs> You find out you're overweight and you're like, okay, knew that. And then they're like, you're obese. Yeah. And you're like, check your records. Because I think Americans, I don't know what Canadians, but <laughs> Americans in our head, we think obese is like the people they show you on the news with their head missing in the picture. And it's like, yeah, you know, those, 600- those people that they don't ask to put on TV. Yes. Or like my 600 pound life. And so you don't think as a yeah. person who can like sit in a single airline seat that you're obese and you're like, excuse me. Mm. Like, so it's. It's so yeah. it's so funny. You, it's everybody's not fat phobic until you get called fatter than you think you are, and then you're like, "Excuse oh, me, yeah. I'd like I to hang I on to the to... doctor for it." Yeah, I was literally I went to the doctor like a couple years back, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, I'm overweight." He was like, "Oh no, overweight's like ten, fifteen pounds over healthy." I've known you for twenty years. This is, buddy, you've been obese the entire time. I was like, hey, "Don't say it like that," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I, he's just so casual with me because he's like, you're a comic. You could take it. And I'm like, I wish I'd never told you any of that. Like, <laughs> you are being a dick right now. Uh, oh. So he's like, you've been obese. Like, how did you not know? You read. Why don't you read about the word obese? And I'm like, what are you? Jesus. You're my source of information. <laughs> you are my oh, source. No. A new if you tell me there's a new rash of comedian of like comedians <laughs> receiving less emotional care, like people are just mean to me. I went to the I went to the emergency oh. room and they were like, Oh, did you break your funny bone? No, I've been shot. <laughs> <laughs> they just refuse you care because you're gonna laugh it off. Laughter is the best medicine. And they just Yeah, they but just then you shouldn't you should, you probably shouldn't travel with a slide whistle as much though. I think that's probably part of the problem. <laughs> That's true. But this is this is what you get. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. So I I'm looking around at your space and I probably should have done video yeah. today because I'm I'm so impressed. I see like a guitar, um, a whole a whole drum set. What what is mm-hmm. your like musical background? Like besides obviously I love having funny people on this show, but then it seems like you really also are very passionate about music. What's your musical background? Oh yeah. 
Uh, I grew up, my dad used to play drums in like wedding bands and stuff. And he, that's his drum set behind me. And so when I was a kid, I'd hop on his drum set when, uh, and learn how to play. And then, uh, you know, I picked up piano and guitar young and I went to high school and was enrolled in the music program. So I was just, everything was music, music, music. When I was younger, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be in bands. So I played in bands, big fan of like emo, uh, big fan of post hardcore music. So that's how, what I ended up gravitating towards ended up like, you know, playing guitar in those bands, singing, screaming, uh, playing drums in those kind of bands, bass, anything I could fill. And then I got into like producing, uh, like more closer, like hip hop stuff and, um theme songs and stuff so like lately when i've opened up like logic to produce anything to make like um like a song for say like my podcast or uh somebody else needs a theme song for something i i'll fire it up on logic and it's basically me being like how can i make this sound like family feud but not a ripoff and that's where i'm at lately musically is that i love the price is right and family feud theme songs so i'm just going hard on the horns and i uh yeah that is so cool. So you're creating theme, you're creating music from scratch, and it sounds like you have such a cool yeah. background. Now, you caught me off guard when you said that you got into like rock and screamo and hip hop because it's just like, I mean, first of all, you have an awesome uh-huh. comedy album, Cherubic. Like, just you're just Thank an you. adorable man. I just I'm don't see you in baby. such a <laughs> big old baby. I don't <laughs> see you in these angry musical categories. So it's interesting uh-huh. to see. But that's the beautiful thing about music is it's a release. So we get to just explore mm-hmm. different types of music. Um, so you know what? Let's just jump right into it. Our second segment of the show is called Soundtrack of Your Life. This is where – or Playlist of Your Life. I keep changing the name. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, well, in the email the fans, was Playlist of Your Life, I think. Uh, okay. So, uh, on Rhythm, yeah. Rhythm and Bay fans know that you don't come here for the consistency. You come here for the magic. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's cool. yeah. So well, playlist of your life, and I need you to give me five, just five. Five. What, just what did you just five. put on camera? <laughs> well, you said magic, and I I play Magic the Gathering and write for a magic websites. So I was like, oh look, here's some cards that. Um... You know what? That is beautiful. I realized the other day I don't have any actual hobbies. Like I just. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got into magic. I. I literally... <laughs> I kicked the door in after grocery shopping and I said, baby, come here. And I looked at my husband. I said, what was the last thing I did for fun? And he was like, well, you have fun doing your podcast. And I was like, no, that's to make me a star. Damn it. What is (laughs) So I am, should I start, tell me, should I start doing Magic the Gathering? Like, would that be a good hobby? I mean, I love it. It's a game I've been playing since I was 10. And like, I got back into it in like 2014 uh in a specific format and really it's just been like it was at a time where i was like comedy used to be the thing i do for fun now it's kind of becoming work and i do still love it very much and and so i was like let me find a a group of people divorced from my professional life so i can really just like focus on you know the comedy side and then i can um, escape that with my hobby and i think magic is like it's a fun game uh it's very complicated but there are simpler versions of it. Like there's magic arena is a, is the game that you can play on your computer or on your phone. And uh, they go through like this whole tutorial to teach you how to play. And basically if at that point you're not into it, then you're not going to be into it. It's just, um, frankly, I love puzzles and I love like, like I love moving, moving pieces and trying to figure out a way to like make something cool happen. So like magic's been fun and there's like a bit of a creative element to it, oddly enough. So I really like it. I have fun with it a lot. 
That's exciting. Moving pieces, creating stories. I can see that. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see the story that we create with your playlist. So do you want right. to go, do you want to go in a chronological order? Do you want to go from most favorite to least favorite? How are we, how are we ranking this five? Okay. So this five is going to be representative of um, turning points. Um, so moments in my life where I feel like a song or a band has had like an effect on me and opened me up to certain, um, a new part of myself or like a new understanding of the world or art or anything. So that's what I've, um, that's what I've done with these, uh, songs. I had 12. I am, I definitely have some honorable mentions, but I have, while we were talking, I starred five of them. I put an asterisk next to five of them. I'm like, these are the five and I've made okay, my great. Decisions. And you do know, we do know we're not going to play the actual pieces yeah. of the song. We can't oh, do yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have Columbia Arista records money. They're like, uh -huh. so we can yeah, talk yeah. about it. You don't want them coming after you for sure. Mm -mm. Uh-uh. Um, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I could, I could, uh, I could describe what they are, uh, or you can look them up later. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, these are, okay. Listen to them. All right. So starting with track number five. Okay. Okay. Or yeah. Okay. So track number five, Here what we... is number five on your playlist? Number five on my playlist is, uh, nearer my God by Foxing. Uh, okay. Foxing put out this album a couple years back. And uh, the title track, Near My God, is about their willingness to sell out and how, they're, um, how they want to be. There's a line that's like, I, I'd, I'd give it all to be America's pool boy. Um, and it's just the idea is like, I listened to this song on a loop for like a full two weeks on my way to and from work uh, when I was working <laughs> at an Apple store in a mall and thinking about my position in the industry because I just moved to Toronto at this point and coming from Montreal where I was like getting work and traveling a lot more and like you know I'd show up to a show and they'd be like oh thank god you're here please do 10 minutes I'd be like thank you very much uh then moving to Toronto and being like oh this is a whole city of that but not me and so um near my god is it had me evaluate my position in the in the industry what I want from it understanding that like selling out isn't a problem what it is it's like you can do things for money but maintaining a piece of it for you and making sure that you keep that precious and pure that's something that i wanted for myself so near my god really opened that up for me that really is like interesting that so you talk about, it's about it's about wanting to connect with your industry but and realizing that there's no such thing as selling out or like it's not necessarily right. a bad thing to sell out uh, so right. that's interesting did you have like <laughs> kind of a moment beforehand when you thought I'm, I'm never going to be this person who sells out and tries too hard or what was the like what was the back it and was forth kind of like it was like a I remember when I started working the comedy club out here I would do material that I was like this is club material and then I do like the alt rooms and be like this is the stuff that I actually like and I remember there was a turning point where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do the stuff I actually like at the club. And if they don't like it, then they'll stop working me. But they never stopped working me and it just worked. Um, mm. So that's like an example of when I also was like, there is no division. <clears throat> I'm the product. I'm selling me, which is, you know, a bit of a like, oh, my God, <laughs> what a, I'm a commodity. Um, but <laughs> the 
the fun of it is like this song was like you can do stuff that'll get you places that you'll actually feel good so it made me feel okay about being like i still have this day job i still have to do these shitty open mics to establish myself in a new city i still have to like kiss the ring a little bit but ultimately Mm -hmm. what it all leads up to is the fact that i will get to another show and i will have an amazing time doing the thing i love so so much and uh yeah, that's that's what this song did for me. And so I listened to it for like straight up, not even kidding. Every time my headphones were on, this song was blaring uh, for two weeks straight. Straight up did not listen to anything else. It's a good wow. one. I like mm-hmm. I like your almost childlike fixation when you're like, I find a good song and then I just eat it and eat it and eat it and eat it until I don't oh, like yeah. it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I still love it. I just have to be like. Mm-hmm. These are my chicken tenders. I listen to the song to pump me up before getting on stage sometimes. It's you know what's so funny good. is you said you can look it up, and I was like, he's just assuming I don't know his song. He's just assuming I've never. Yeah. And then I was like, God damn, I don't know this song. But <laughs> oh, you're not gonna know most of these songs. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's that, that's definitely that is the beauty of the show. It's music discovery. Yeah. This is not uh, a music snob podcast, you know. But like, I love that you're choosing stuff I haven't heard of because you don't. I mean, no offense to my past guests, but like three people have chosen the mutant ninja turtles theme song and like, did not expect mm. that to be the one to be in common Dude, three, i was like three. i was like who picked I'm, i want to dance with somebody uh with how many of them you know what i mean and then you said teenage mutant ninja turtles theme not okay. nobody's picked i want to dance with somebody yet i have had i will always love you by whitney and then quite mm-hmm. a bit of mariah i think mariah is the most mariah. chosen artist across i mean we're all of an era we're all american of an era yeah <laughs> of an era, we're all american millennials so like uh-huh, exactly <laughs> yeah a lot of el- i like talking to elder millennials because i like feeling young i do too many colleges mm-hmm. they really great uh-huh. on my soul so. <laughs> that's a nearer my god moment right there you got to do these colleges <laughs> and then you take the feeling just so you can get up there and do it right you're so. right you know what's so funny is like you're one of the comics i think of who is so self-aware enough you don't need to be humbled and I can like I know so many people where Thank I'm like, you. oh lord, <laughs> like, <laughs> they've never performed for someone who is not exactly their demo and their friend group. I'm oh yeah, you know I know those people too. It's frustrating. <laughs> so it's interesting to talk about like curating your voice and like doing what you believe in and making it work in front of different crowds. That's that's one of those nuanced things about being a comic is like learning how to be yourself, but also in different environments part of that's very important they're very important um i was gonna tell you something that happened at a college just now oh i was doing a little crowd work because they got stale and i was like what's your major and this and this kid goes oh matt madam i'm a communications major and i said not madam i've been mammed a lot i'm from this ma'am is not madam (laughs) that stung me Madam. Yeah, uh, I was not expecting ooh. that. So, Madam, I so- study communication and I am an undercover police officer. You have, uh, <laughs> that's that's who that is. Jesus. Uh, oh, man. He was, a, he was a sweet kid. He was the one, I've noticed that the college kids who laugh the hardest <laughs> are usually kind of weird. Like they're kind of, the, they're kind of the outcast a little bit, but they're sweethearts. But I think it's because they lack the self-consciousness to be looking around at their peers to, to exactly. get permission to yes. laugh. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. 
oh, that's the fun part about laughter is like in a, in a social setting, laughter is just an indicator that you understand or accept what has just uh, transpired or like the idea that's being put forward. So it's like a, mo- like a marker of like, look at how smart I am. I understand this. Or like, I am part of this group of people who like appreciates and likes what we are all in, uh, enjoying. And that's why when people are like alone, they don't tend to laugh so much, like comparatively. You know what's so funny? I wonder if this is cultural because people always say that Montreal and JFL is the best crowd. And it's always Americans who oh, say no. this. Ooh, okay. I don't I, know who. I says always that, hear that they're but... like, people, you think it's it's a hard crowd? Uh, I'd say Montreal in general. During the festival, it's a lot better because it's a lot of tourists. But uh, oh. during the year, I I will tell you, I am never uh, cockier than when I've just been to the states, because <laughs> I'll come down and I'll be like, oh, you mean I got to do fifteen minutes? Sure thing. And then I'll do ten minutes worth of material because there are so many laughs. I think what is you know, 15 minutes, like what I think what is 10 minutes is actually 15 and a half. And I got to get yelled at for going over because uh, they're laughing so much. It's just so you guys laugh a lot more, a lot harder. You laugh so long. Uh, we're not used to it. Canadians will laugh and stop because it's like, OK, next, please. Um, <laughs> next, yeah. please. That's funny. Yeah. The Midwest and the middle of the country are the good laughers. They're the people yes, who can yes, just yes. surrender to what's happening around them and just laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, East Coast, West Coast, they've got to like, they've got to like shoulder. stop. I, I think sometimes people think laughing too hard means that you are not smarter than the joke. So if you right. if you if you stand there with your arms folded and you're like, I'm I'm smart, I'm not gonna let this get to me, then uh, mm-hmm. then you're above mm-hmm. the joke. Yeah, That's so funny. But then but then you become the joke because how dare you enjoy a little something? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You can't do that to college kids, though, because they were absolutely full. They will, they, <laughs> yeah, they will, they will be they crumble. <laughs> they will fall apart and be like, "This lady bullied me." She said, "Hi, universe." <laughs> it's all done. <laughs> sweet, sweet kids. The only, the only college students I don't like are athletes. Anytime there's a lot of mm-hmm. athletes in an audience, I'm like, "This is going to be a bad show." Right. This is going to yes, because they just they can't surrender been... that status. They can't surrender they... any of their status. They've been cool too long. I mean, like the way uh-huh. the way a man who plays sports sits in a chair already makes me feel disrespected. The way they yes. just yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like they're just they make me laugh. And then those will be the same ones who come up to you afterwards, like, "Yeah, I thought you were good." And I was like, "Did you?" Because I could see you uh-huh. not laughing. <laughs> yeah. Well, what? I can't laugh in front of these peasants. You're like, hey, "Hold on a second. That is. What are you talking about?" <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't know. There's uh, so much ego in that kind of environment. It is frustrating to think about, like, if somebody just sat these kids down for one day and was like, look, take it from me, Kanye West, like, live a little, laugh, let it out, experience your emotions, you'll be better for it. Open yourself up, have a little bit more honesty on your day to day, and you will feel so much better. And that will not solve your student debt situation, but it will definitely make you... (laughs) Like walk with a bit more of a spring in your step. Okay. All right. Bye everybody. I've been Kanye West. <laughs> I don't know why. I so your Kanye suggestion on, on how to have better shows is to be Kanye West. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I will work on that so fast. <laughs> uh, yeah. All you have to do is lose your mind, lock yourself in, in an Atlanta stadium for too long and then put out an album that is not great. I, just, I haven't listened to Donda yet. Am I missing out or no? 
you are missing out on maybe two tracks. I'll say Jail opens the album up very well. It's so catchy. It's so good. Jay-Z's on it. It teases Watch the Throne 2. I'm like, cool. I can get behind this song. It's been stuck in my head for weeks. The rest of it, I'm just like, oh, a lot of these feel like B-sides from Yeezus. And I didn't care for Yeezus so much. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I felt it, it feels like a weird album to be like, this is the one for my mom. I'm like, I don't think you... Did you, okay yeah uh, that's uh i well i can go into my next pick because it is kanye it is Kanye. nice okay so our next pick uh let's call this track number four what is it mm. so kanye west featuring jamie fox and twista it's called slow jams this one you'll know i know you know this yes. one i called an audible because i have it in brackets next to my actual pick which was cool with it by murphy lee featuring saint lunatics because these two one. songs, that one's fucking great. It's off of Murphy Lee's solo album and nobody cares about it, but I love it so much. It's just the <laughs> instrumentation so cool. The bass line is dope. You've got like great keys and like horns come in. You don't expect them. And they're just the, the way that they're doing the verses. They're ending every line with cool with it. And you're like, this is just like a bunch of dudes hanging out. And it's like a good time. They're talking about, like, I forgot my weed, but he's got my back, so we're having a good time. I'm like, sweet. I like these guys. They're having a nice day. Um, so uh, I guess uh, Cool With It is an uh, honorable pick here. But uh, Slow Jams by Kanye West and Twist and uh, Jamie Foxx was uh, the track that I listened to that I was like, who the fuck is this? And um, how am how am I how do I already feel late to the party that is premiering right now on 106 and Park? You know, like I uh, you watched 106 and Park. <laughs> I did. I Me too. I would dad. rush home every day. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I lived right behind my school at the time, so I like would run and like uh, run around the corner and come back home. And my dad, uh, we we had like a pirated satellite dish because we couldn't get BET legally in canada and so i was like just i you can you couldn't buy it you couldn't get bet it wasn't available um and so we just like had it pirated so i'd watch bet uh i'd watch 106 in park to be like what's new let me see that's like how i found out that's how when i saw uh the outcast singles when speaker box the love below was uh came out that's where i saw you know i think talib kweli's like first uh, single off the beautiful struggle when they were like premiered i think i try or something i was like i loved being on top of music like back then i listened to basically early 2000s hip-hop was like my time for hip-hop and i really like it a lot i think that when they premiered i think they just played slow jams i was like how do i already feel late to this party that's just starting I need to find out who this is. I need to go get what they're doing. And then I got College Dropout like the next day. And um, College Dropout is an album that recontextualized um, found sound. Like, because he's just taking, he's sampling things in such strange ways. Because I would find the sample, the names of the songs that he's sampling and be like, okay, let me listen to the song. And I could not pick out the sample. And then, you know, you get on a forum, you're like, what part is he sampling this? And it's like, you get the tiny clip and it's pitched up and it's like only it's so out of context. It doesn't seem like it's, it fits with the beat and it's slowed down a little bit. And you're like, Jesus, Kanye just like took these samples and really fucked with them in a way to turn them into his own instruments. And I thought that that was such a turning point for me in that I, it, it, um, it informed what I do in my comedy, like many years later, I didn't start until like 10 years later, but like, 
it informs what I do in comedy, which is I like the idea of taking a format, taking what we expect out of comedy, taking what's already been done and building on what the expectations are and what um, and kind of like I want to say like, okay, so here's what we know as this format. Here's what we know as what comedy is. And let's go ahead and turn it into uh, making fun of that or like making fun of those expectations or playing with those expectations, maybe taking it one further, you know? Um, so, uh, sampling like that was really something that I was like, okay, this is, this is huge for me. I got to start listening to music differently. I got to start listening to comedy differently. I got to start taking in my art a little bit differently. So, uh, shout out to Kanye, I guess. <laughs> that is so interesting. And so you said like, I was late to the party to this artist. I thought you were talking about Twisted. I thought that was who you discovered no. on Slow Jams, not Kanye. So you hadn't heard uh, Through the Wire before that then. I hadn't heard Through the Wire. So the I was wire late was... to the party. Yes. And one thing, one cool thing about uh, Kanye too is like on Through the Wire, there's like in the video, there's a feature with D-Ray Davis. And then you've got mm -hmm. Jamie Foxx on, uh, on Slow Jams. Aisha Tyler mm -hmm. later shows up on yeah. the workout plan. So like there's a She's a on big... Slow Jams too. She's on oh, Slow yes. Jams. Yeah, now Kanye, I I need you to slow it down, baby. Can you do it? Uh, I need you to make it faster, baby. Can you do it faster? Damn, baby, yeah, I like don't he... know. I can't, but I know somebody who can. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is very true. So I love the like incorporation of different comedians in this music, and you're so right about taking a sample and using it in a different way because sampling and hip hop just like go together, like it's just mm -hmm. it's at its core. It's one of the things, but That's usually in a hip hop. Up until that point, you absolutely know knew what the sample was and what part of the song it came from was usually the chorus, usually the most famous part. But you really had to look into these things and go, what is this? Like, what is, mm -hmm. although I do think through the wire is more of a traditional interpolation type of sample where you're just, you're very right. aware of it through the beginning. And like, a, like, I grew up on Chaka Khan. And so I was like, what mm -hmm. is this? But the uh -huh. pitching it up. <laughs> That like incorporation of that like kind of like chipmunk sound we hadn't heard that in yeah. hip hop and and it's funny to look at it like gosh almost twenty years later and and be like oh there was a time when this wasn't around this is a time when this was right. brand new yeah these, yeah these kids don't know nothing about this <laughs> and then there was that was an era where a lot of producers tried so hard to make it happen there was such a small gap of producers trying so hard to do what Kanye is doing and doing it so poorly that it then, then they all like leaned into the Houston sound instead. Like mm. they, they were like, okay, hold on. This isn't working for me. I'm going to pivot into like, <laughs> let's see what I can sell to eight ball and, and MJG. <laughs> drive slow. Isn't on that. Out. No drive. Slow is on the no, next that's one. On I was about to... Late registration. Late registration. I was about to say, I was like, and then he does a Paul song Wall, with the Houston yeah. sound. And does his own thing with it, and it's good. Mm -hmm. It's it's. Right. I am someone. I am someone who uh, who says they miss the old Kanye and means it. Like the first. I agree. Yeah. The first oh, yeah. four albums to me are just. I mean, I'm not saying he hasn't done anything great since, but there is right. like a a post Kim K era that's just a little Definitely. a little weirder, a lot more self absorbed. <laughs> like, mm. Definitely. So, so, yeah. But that's it. Would you say that's your favorite Kanye song? slow jams slow jams is yeah definitely my favorite kanye song because it's the one that i i listen to the most for sure um 
there shout out to hip hop karaoke in Montreal. My buddy Olivia, my buddies Olivia and Monica run hip hop karaoke here where you just do hip hop karaoke. Like that's just a like you're you're up there, you're doing the song to the track, and um they were like, Hey, we need comedians during Just for Laughs to come do uh hip hop karaoke. And so I did slow jams and I was like, it's the only song that I was like, for sure I know this one. Let me do it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's definitely my favorite Kanye song, easily. I, um, my first instinct as a black person when you mention hip hop karaoke is to ask you what your N word substitute is. Like, what is your substitute of choice for the N word? Well, uh, mine is picking songs without it. <laughs> so, slow jams doesn't have it. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that. Um, I, I I try to use buddy. <laughs> like, I was gonna ask if you were a buddy guy. I, I recently like made guy. my way onto that part of TikTok, and I was uh, like, I kind of love buddy. Like it just yeah. works. Yeah. It feels culturally right. It feels like uh -huh. that truly belongs to white people. Like even I feel uh -huh. like I shouldn't say buddy. Like it's not mine. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> like, you know uh -huh. what I mean. I've never been like buddy, and like it's kind of funny because. <laughs> It's like people have gotten so used to hip hop now they now understand the nuances between the different uses of the N word because there's right. that's my buddy and then there's Mister. All right, Mister, yes. we're about yeah. to fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look here, pal. That's that's the vibe. But pal's too Ooh. short. You don't got the double syllable. You got to go. Look here, buddy. You know. Yeah. Um, pal might be the end of your day. Pal sounds like y'all uh -huh. about to fight for real. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Pal's a rough one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'd say like some songs, if, if you listen to them, they're built in a way that you're like, man, the way that say like Southern fried intro by Ludacris, mm -hmm. the way that first verse happens, you're like, how do I throw in a buddy? That B is too percussive for what he's doing. You know, he's like, <laughs> he's, he's running it like it's cursive handwriting and, uh, yeah, incredible. So it's like that one I was listening to, I was like, I can't pull this off. There's no way <laughs> there's no chance. Uh, so yeah. Oh man. Shout out to hip hop karaoke out here. They just did a, another one in the park a couple weeks ago. It was a good time. That sounds so fun. If they ever let people from my filthy, filthy country, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they are keeping us in. <laughs> so I don't mm -hmm. know. Uh, if I, <laughs> that is on my to-do list so i want to i want to visit canada so bad that is like oh like i feel like if i if i get my passport i am willing jfl into my life you know it's kind of like you, mm, you order mm. your steps to manifest the things you want so yep. i'm like it's gonna happen it's gonna happen yeah, yeah but yeah. i gotta get it first you um you'll be wow up here. so what do you think you'll be up here yeah yeah for sure that'd be a yeah, lot of fun it's in there so, of course. Kanye West, great song. Uh, another, uh -huh. So it's kind of a transition for you for hip-hop. You said you loved watching mm -hmm. 106 and Park. Got to know, who mm -hmm. was your favorite hosting era of 106 and Park? Oh, God. I, I don't... Mm, I got to remind myself of names because it was at the time... Mm, I think the timeline you're talking about is AJ and Free. Yeah, yeah. It must have been because... But then there was uh, Julissa. And Terrence. Julissa was there for a bit. Yeah. No, I wasn't. Okay. So, no. yes, you're right. Terrence J. Terrence J was there for a bit, but I didn't. That's when I dropped off. And it wasn't because of him. It was because <laughs> I, I was just like way more. I like started getting into like the uh, screaming stuff at that point. So I was like, 
let's explore this new thing. But oh. even when it was Jalissa, I was like not as into it, but it was definitely AJ and Free were the ones when I was watching it most. And then I mm-hmm. came back to it after, and, and Terrence J was the host, and I was like, okay, I guess I've been gone too long. And I, that, so when I found out Terrence J was started hosting Are You the One? The first time I saw him, I was like, this guy, it's the guy. Uh, it ruled. <laughs> it was so fun. He starts Terrence hosting is- as of season six, I think, and he's very good at it. I have not watched that show, but Terrence J is just so one of those persons who people who are just so perfectly inoffensive. And I hope I'm like, as I'm saying that I'm like looking up Terrence mm-hmm. J canceled before I because you just ah. never know. <laughs> like before I'm oh, like, boy. man, this person's just so nice and everyone likes everything about them. Uh, Terrence oh J gets God. canceled after parody with Marlon Wayans went left. Terrence J is getting canceled <sighs> all over. Oh my God. The word canceled no being used three times in this article. So it doesn't feel real. It doesn't, um, it's not real. There's no <laughs> controversy section on his Wikipedia. Uh, Nah, he's fine. That's wonderful. Yeah. Then he's just—he's just smiley. He's like a black Ryan Seacrest. Like you know what I mean? I just yeah. Oh, he's, he's a just... beautiful man who—who's very fun. He jokes around a lot. He's a good time. I like him a lot. He's a great host. He like breathed new life into. Are you the one? It's honestly, um, so good. It. He's I forget very, how very much you love it. trash reality shows. Oh, I fucking love trash reality shows. Yeah, a hundred percent. After this, I, I have to record my podcast about Bachelor in Paradise. So, what is it called, by the uh, way? Oh, it's called uh, "We Didn't Get a Rose." Uh, we didn't get a rose. It's me and Chris Mejia. We pretend mm-hmm. to have been past contestants who were knocked out on the first night of a season that never aired, but we want to cash in on our Bachelor clout, so we started a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> are there any listeners who like genuinely believe? Like, why do I not remember these guys? <laughs> not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. We we came up with the bit for a little bit, and then we just stopped leaning in because uh, it was such a long walk to be like, we're a Bachelor recap podcast. Uh, that was it. <laughs> I have watched my handful of Bachelor watching is is uh, mm. has not been that fun. I watched the season with Matt James for historic black guilt reasons. Right, right. And, and- <laughs> it- mm. I could not stand him. He was drywall. Did he was see- so boring. All of the most, and you can tell he's intimidated by interesting women. So, like, the women who were left were just drywall as well. And so it was like, uh-huh. I mean, yeah. even crazy ass Lauren, like, as crazy and toxic as she was, at least she was somewhat entertaining. Although, I just, I've never seen someone look like they haven't slept in years on that show before. Like, she just. Are you talking about Victoria who had the Victoria, not Lauren. <laughs> yes, Vic- Queen Victoria, one who would wear queen her own Victoria. tiara and like who and then sh- an actual beauty queen showed up and she was like, What are you doing? <laughs> like and felt threatened. Her tiara. By her. Yeah. <laughs> the Victoria showed up on Bachelor in Paradise and went, The queen is dead. I'm a goddess now. And she had like a crown made of zip ties painted gold that she wore <laughs> as like a halo. She's nuts. Uh but I, yeah, I mean Matt James did such a bad job being the first black bachelor that on the podcast, Chris Mejia, Aaron Edwards was the guest. Both black men were uh, on the podcast like, yeah, what's that guy's name who kisses weird? Um, uh, He opens his eyes. He opens his eyes when he kisses. and, And I was like, oh, you mean Matt James? And they're like, yeah, that's the one. I was like, huh, kind of says a lot more about him that we're not like the first black bachelor, the historic like move in the series. They were like, oh, no, we don't want to claim him as the first black bachelor. It just that's how it bad feels he was. like 
it feels like we need to do over every I mean, in the middle in the oh, middle yeah. of episode one he like unprompted is like i just want everyone to know that i might not pick a black girl and you need to be okay with that and it was that was his way of saying i'm not gonna and that so was, was in a conversation with chris harrison by a fireside by uh, by a fireplace where he's like look some people expect me to end up with a certain type of person and my old roommate kicks was like yeah i had to turn it off <laughs> so i was like you can't talk about black women like that and have me watch like i know exactly who this man is in 30 seconds um yes! she eventually watched it but she was like uh rolled her eyes so hard it turned off the tv and rolled a joint like yeah. Ugh. Um, and he did exactly stuck, what we thought he would do. <laughs> I stuck through the whole, I stuck through it. I can't believe I stuck through it. And it, I mean, it just, it was like moving. Slow. And so I need to visit a different season because that was just like, it was bad. I stuck through it. But my little sister loves Bachelor and she was watching Bachelor mm. in Paradise. And I was doing something. I was like getting ready for an audition. Mm. I was typing. And then she's got it on the background and I hear little John. And I'm like, little what John is was a host of Bachelor in Paradise. And he did the voiceovers for the episodes. Coming up next on Bachelor in Paradise. And I was like, what yeah. is happening? Like, I jumped out of yeah. my skin. Like, yeah. Not my early 2000s spirit just being ignited uh -huh. by that. Yeah, oh. he showed up. He he, But he showed up without the pimp cup or the crunk juice. So you're really like, though John's grown up. You right? know, uh, oh. he's not so little anymore. He, oh. the, grown John? Big man John. <laughs> yeah, big grown John. John. Grown, grown ass John. Grown ass John. <laughs> 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 The funny thing is, he was like forty when he was little John. So like, I know, <laughs> grown ass oh, John man. with the back pain. <laughs> this just gave me a huge window into what your like childhood. You know, you're watching The uh -huh. Bachelor and 106 in Park. You're, <laughs> you, Mike, you are a busy black auntie. Uh, keep yourself <laughs> you have the watching habits of a Mary J. Blige fan. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> i'll say this the one my so my roommate kick shout out to kicks love her very much my old roommate in toronto she was like she's from florida she's a black woman who uh whenever we'd watch tv and something would happen and she'd go like mm -mm. and i'd be like please explain i love learning and she'd pause and we she'd be like do you understand these dynamics between this and that and like in the black community this is very you know so i'm learning all, all about it and i'm like you know what i have consumed so much black entertainment. I love hip hop. I love, I used to watch BET. I love, like, I don't know how many people can say they've watched Welcome Home Roscoe Jenkins more than uh, five times, but I have. It's a comfort movie for me. Uh, I like it a lot. Uh, but so Kicks, like, Kicks, isn't it a fun movie? It's really it nice. Is. It's very goofy. So Kicks, when she was talking to her friends back home at one point, she was like, I'm living with this guy. And I like was waving she, and her friend was like, okay, living with a white boy. She's like, no, 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 but watch this. Uh, and then she was like asking me questions about like early 2000s hip hop. And I was like, well, if you want to compare this to that, then, you know, wh what are we talking? Who's your favorite member of Disturbing the Peace? You know, and she's like, they're like, okay, so he gets it. And she's like, yeah, he's the real deal. He's a good guy. And they were like, okay, I guess that's fine then. <laughs> I got the approval over like a FaceTime call when they were like, oh, fuck, you got to live with a white guy. She's like, no, he's cool. I like him. <laughs> like, OK, good. I felt like the one I was like the coolest I've ever felt was like the council of approval. <laughs> it is it is a strange power we wield to just. Uh huh give and take away coolness at at random from white people mm. 
You don't realize you have it until, oh my God, I went to a black. Okay, I'm going to let you tell the rest of your list, but real, real quick. No, sure. Nashville. No, we're having fun. Yes. Nashville, the uh, Black History Music Museum, or the, the American African-American History of Music Museum. And yes. the white people who were there, I could just feel them kind of like <laughs> looking around. <laughs> And I will say, I couldn't help myself. I was like, I was like, I'm, I have amazing peripheral vision because you won't know I'm watching you, but I'm watching you. And there is this one older white man who just, I don't think he really wanted to be there. He just like walk, he beelined it past uh, slavery and blues, like it past like the, uh, the, the, <laughs> but there was like, there was like, there was, it was making the connection between like African drums, gospel, hymns um you know negro spirituals and then all the way to current modern day r&b and hip-hop and he okay. like beelines it past that goes straight to uh goes straight to this like music listening section and i end up there later and then i see his computer like he leaves as soon as i walk up but i see the computer he was listening to and he the way the system was set up is you could listen to like bb king and then it would show you how bb uh -huh. king connects to like elvis and then connects to or, like not elvis but like uh eric clapton right. or something and this man had walked up to that computer and was only listening to eric clapton because i like oh wow based on how long he had been there he like walked up and went i know that one and listened to eric clapton wow. and if you're just i just how do you go to the black history museum and go listen to eric clapton you know what i mean there's just so much you could have i mean the other question of that is like how do you go to a museum and still go this is my comfort zone. You know what I mean? Like, yes. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, I was, I was learning about stuff I had never heard of. I wasn't like focused on like the Supremes. I was like, who is this person? Yeah. I've never like who was kind of in the shadow of Billie Holiday at the time. Like, let's, you know, it's I go to expand my horizons, but right. it, between him and then the two women who I think it's like it was like their bachelorette party took a detour. But they were trying to keep that energy. So again, they just sprint past slavery, sprint past Negro spirituals. Like, the way white people were running past slavery in this museum. Uh, this is why we need critical race theory. <laughs> like, yeah. And then they made it to hip hop and immediately put their headphones on and then both start like dancing and no. singing out loud to salt and pepper no. push it and they're looking back at me like i'm gonna join in and i'm like head to the ground head to the ground <laughs> so i like to think Man. i did my part and made them feel a little less cool can i tell <laughs> you something the worst thing you could do like okay there is nothing that is more deflating it's such a powerful moment if you if you ever get to do it or you ever see it i've seen this a bunch there's nothing more deflating than somebody thinking they're doing something so cool or are like having a good time than when a black woman just goes, honey, what are you doing? Oh, you want to take the air out of every tire at once? <laughs> oh, 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 no. I think now that I'm firmly in my 30s, I can pull that off. I think I you think... can pull it off. I think you can I, pull I it off. I have a Michael Kors bag. I think I can do this. I think <laughs> I think I can walk up and go, honey, what are you doing? And just take. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just Definitely. Just the air out of their sails. It's you just completely. Oh, man. that You can't. That ruins someone's night. Like, you can definitely ruin someone's night like that. That's it's fucked. It's fucked. It's. Ugh. You got to walk away, though. You can't, like, let them explain. No, you can't questions. linger. You can't linger. Mm -mm. You have to Not just walk all. away with the confidence that you did what you came to do. 
<laughs> right. You can't, you can't, you can't linger. If you linger, then you're like, no, no, no. They think there's redemption possible. You can't do that. Oh, wait, what is happen. the bachelor and bachelorette party capital of Canada? Because that's where I'm going to do this. I am going to, I am Montreal. planning my attack. <laughs> Montreal. When they ask yeah. me the passport office, get your business. I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm going to hear, yeah, he hurt feelings is so funny. I'm here to hurt feelings. Okay. <laughs> so let's do our next track and keep the list moving. And I know you had a lot to choose between. What makes number three the sweet spot right in the middle of this list? Okay. So uh, number three is called uh, The Dead Policeman by The Chariot. Um, okay. It's on the album called The Fiance. Uh, it kind of represents that whole album because it's like, it's a loud album. It's like the first album of its kind that I've kind of been like, I want this to be loud. I want this to be abrasive. I want this to be screaming. I want this to be like, I want it to be destructive. And it was the first time in an album that I was like, this can be cathartic too. And um, lyrically, this band is very much like a, they're from Atlanta. They're like very into God. So it's very Christian oriented normally. But then they have this song called The Dead Policeman where the album is is a a bunch of contradictory lines so the album title the the track titles are back to back they faced each other you know um then turned around and killed each other or something like that um so uh no and pulled their swords and shot each other you know the kind of things that don't make sense and so the dead policeman is just a line in that poem but um i think it makes a lot of sense because at the end of the song there's a section where they're screaming if there's blood on the roots then there's blood on the branches and when i try to look up the meaning of that and all that it really radicalized me in that uh systems are bad <laughs> you know uh there are a lot of uh, uh things that that are in um integrated into systems that are uh oppressive and uh really opened my eyes to um you know especially in the last year um, you know, with all the talk of abolition and Black Lives Matter, this song has come up a lot for me because it's like a line that I've quoted, which is if there's blood on the roots, there's blood on the branches. Right. Um, and so at a time when this came out, it must have been like 2006 or seven um, late high school was really questioning, you know, why we do things the way we do them and, and, and kind of instead of blindly accepting them, questioning what that means, because if you notice something is being hurtful to somebody you don't want that to be the the norm. And so uh, this song really had me questioning things. This song started my journey into being like, no, this is what punk means. Um, to be a punk is to, um, it's not about fucking shit up. It's about, it's about tearing down the systems and, and making sure that everybody's safe and, and can experience their joy. Um, and so that's what I leaned into in a big way. And uh, that's why this song is number three. I think uh yeah that is so interesting so i'm noticing it came out in like what 2007 so this is when you started like to become more critical and more aware of systems right i was like 15 how old 16. were you at that point 16 you said yeah 15 16 yeah that is that is one of those turning point ages where you start to realize mm -hmm. that things our parents do and say aren't always right and you know older generations don't question as much and you kind of start figuring out what you want to question yourself. Yeah, lyrically, I've never heard this song before, um, but mm. lyrically, it's it's great. It is like the lyrics stand alone is just like a good piece of writing. Like it's really, 
It's a really great yeah. band, a really great song. So you said this is a Christian metal band or like they have so, more Christian connections? Yeah. Um, so they are headed by Josh Scogan, who used to be in Norma Jean and then started the chariot and now is in the 68. This guy is just all about just like screaming the word of God. Like this guy is like everything is in, they pray before every set and then they get on stage and like climb stacks of amps and like punch holes into the ceiling. And like they've done shows where they've jumped off the roof of like somebody's house. Like these guys are nuts, but they're all like, we love the Lord, you know? Um, (laughs) And so their songs are kind of like fighting off the, like fighting off everything so that you can better be in yourself and praise God. And then you've got songs like this where you're like, I'm just going to interpret it the way I want to. So um, that's it. Like luckily they're screaming a lot, so I don't really know what he's saying for a lot of it, but uh, it's kind of unmistakable on this song for sure. The chariot's a very loud band. (laughs) I'm excited to check this out. This sounds really interesting. Again, music discovery. Uh, it is mm. funny though that you say that they're like, you know, a Christian. Like they're, they also have such a Christian influence because if you want to talk about systems that can be bad, I know religions like the Blueprint. Like it, it, it influences yeah. so much more of society. Like people's obsession with creating a god in their own image that hates who they hate is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of been humanity's jam for a long time. It is our shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but then you're like, yeah, that why are they upholding it so much? And you're like, um, I don't know, because that's the one thing that got ingrained, you know? Mm. I don't I feel know. like rock music it's, gets it's to be weird. a lot more up for interpretation because it's just like it's not as literal mm. in how it's sung. Right. It's not out loud. You don't hear a lot of like I am. It's more like here is a thought. <laughs> like- yes. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And so that's why I connected with a lot of Christian hardcore bands like Under Oath and Norma Jean and all of them. But like their songs are not like I don't have to think of them as songs about God. You know, Um, if I'm listening to like a great spark versus a a forest, a small spark versus a great forest by Norma Jean, it's like, okay, this song is about how one mistake can be colossal. You know, like a small thing can ruin someone's life uh, rather than it being like a parable from the Bible, which I don't need to care about. You know, I was gonna ask, are you a person of faith? I uh, grew up in the church and then was like, I don't care for this at all. I it, it was around. This was around the time where I kind of like dug my heels and was like, I can't support a thing that feels like it's it's holding people down or, um, you know, I understand that it's a bit of a crutch for some people and like that can be helpful and stuff, but in the way that it becomes a tool for control, just like, um, I I couldn't be behind it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was that. Yeah left it no thank you was it around this time like 16 17 or like later in life it was a little a little earlier even and was about like um maybe god probably like when i was 13 14 uh maybe yeah 13 i find that that is that age that maybe maybe it's christian kids in the south that is when they dig Mm -hmm. in real hard into Mm -hmm. religion like those hormones start pumping and they're like i am this or oh yeah then again it can be people who are very much the opposite and they get like really i just i remember everyone was either like a staunch atheist 
or mm, the most yeah. Christian person in the entire world. I didn't know, I didn't meet an agnostic person until I was like 22. Like you always right. had to have a really big opinion one way or the other. Cause you couldn't be left in the gray. You weren't allowed to be, you, you weren't allowed to be out of the binary of yes or no. And that was it. It's like, you had to divide yourself into that camp. And which is a frustration, frustrating thing that's like, Hey man, you can ride a fence. You can figure yourself out. It's like these people who are like, no, I'm anti-vax. And it's like, well, here's information that could change your mind. And it's supported and research and stuff. Ha, huh, I didn't know that. But no, I've made up my mind. You're like, you can change. That's like literally the big deal. It's like you can't live in the gray a little bit. Um, anyway. <laughs> oh, this is the stuff that fires me up now. <laughs> live in the gray a little bit. This is might be what I call this episode because that's good Ooh. advice. Yeah. It, it, is, it is perfectly good to be in the gray until you have the information and make a black and white decision. And it's perfectly good to learn more information and then switch mm. direct. That's one thing I, I can't stand Learning. sometimes about people who are very conservative and very on the right is they're like, if your information changes, then it was a lie in the beginning. And it's like, no, mm. sometimes you didn't have the information. Like, you know, a lot of them are obsessed with like when Fauci told America not to wear masks, like the first week of the pandemic. Yeah. Oh because he gosh. also told us to stay home. So if you were only going to leave your house, yeah. And so they're like, that must've like, obviously he's lied about everything else. It's like, Oh Lord. But um, I'm trying Mm. not to turn this into a political, not even, I don't even want to be, that's not even political at this point. It's just like, literally it's a societal, uh, I guess that makes it political. All right. Yeah, you're right. Let's not turn that into this. Um, My brain is, my brain is all over the floor because when I was in Fort Worth and I was like, so I'm, I got my vax, I got my vaccine y'all. Crickets. good hell yeah hell yeah <laughs> and then, and then mm. when when i did it one time in fort worth this lady goes boo and I was mm. like, we don't boo vaccines let's not do that mm. i got booed it's like for being boo vaccinated. you're gonna die before i do isn't that great that's a fact uh. that we can all hold on to <laughs> that's the kind i know because i have to stay alive out of spite for her on stage yeah exactly i'll show up to your funeral and i'll sing amazing grace off key <laughs> and no one will know that we don't know each other. From like, a, I'll put a little tiny microphone in my mask so that I can uh-huh. really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really orchestrate that. <laughs> yeah. You got a little lapel; it's clipped on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> With like a speaker on my hip, so I'm just uh-huh. really <laughs> <laughs> now we're thinking how... now. Okay, but inside uh-huh. a coat, so everyone's like, "How is she speaking so clearly?" Inside because I'm better at masks than you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all of this concealment, you know. It's a lot of work. <laughs> Operating in the an- shadows. It's a lot of work to antagonize a non-fan. It's a lot of yeah, a lot of energy. Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes being that petty is important. Okay, you can do that if you if it feels right. Just don't hurt anybody. You know, doesn't feel like you're hurting anybody here. You're just being mean. Um, you are a petty ass bitch. You <laughs> like you. <laughs> What can I say? I love The Bachelor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm so invested now. You're going to make me. The thing is, I want to listen to your podcast. I don't want to watch The Bachelor. Can I do that? Okay. (laughs) Uh, You can. We'll talk. We talk about what happens. We recap things pretty in depth, except for Paradise, which we're like, you got to watch the episodes because there's like two a week and I don't want to recap all that. They're three hours long. Um but the next season we have uh michelle who's the bachelorette and she's amazing and i think you 
try try the first episode see how you feel if you do it come on the podcast we'll have you on and you could be like i'm out after this or you could be like maybe i'm into it but i don't want to watch more of it or maybe you'll be hooked we'll see uh-oh uh-oh i'm open I'm corrupting to it. you <laughs> I'm, I'm open to it i i used to be deep into the the rabbit hole of reality tv shows but i realized i was watching a few too many that had a lot of women fighting on camera and i was like i don't know if this is good for us culturally i don't because i used to love like love and hip-hop oh mm. man i used to love love and hip-hop when when mm. somebody would be like oh she's shaking the table like they're like the, the table flipping the the throwing water in each other's face i mean full-on fighting mm. i also used to love um bad girls club just trash just mm. the worst mm. of the worst <laughs> I blame so. Big Brother for all of it because I started watching Big Brother in season two, um, and that they're at season twenty. God, so far in, uh, and I've watched, I've watched almost every season. Haven't watched the last two because I've been out on it. And apparently, this year is the one season I've been waiting for because they had a six-person alliance, all black people. They called it the cookout. And they won for the first it. time in Bas in Big Brother history. The final six, all black people, and a black person won Big Brother. Like literally, that's that's what it took. The cookout. Like, oh, and the man. last person before them to go sat one of them down and was like, "Hey, I noticed that um everybody's been dropping like flies, and I'm realizing like we've never had this many black people in the finals of Big Brother before." And I kind of sense that maybe is there an alliance going and am I next? And then they were like, they cut to them all in the confessional laughing. And it was, <laughs> it was the clip. I was like, I should have watched this season. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Oh, that is so funny. Okay. Uh -huh. You, you sold me on it. I got to watch that. Cause that, that <laughs> big brother this season is. Yeah. I have to that watch it. Okay, I got a quick question for you, and then we're going to move back into the list. What is the worst yeah. reality show you've ever watched? Oh, God. Probably Queen Bees. What is that? It's awful. It's just like, it's basically brat camp for like 19-year-old girls who are like, their parents were like, y you're a piece of shit. You got to learn to be a nicer person. And then it was like the psychologist from uh, uh, Tyra Banks's show. Uh, who got a spinoff and was like, I'm going to treat these women like children. And like they have like gold stickers for when they do something right. It was bad, but it was six episodes on Amazon Prime. And I was sick one day and I watched it all and don't <laughs> recommend it to anybody. Um, yeah, that was the worst one I've seen. He's reality show. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I think I don't remember this from like the freaking CW. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. God. Yeah, the whole point was just that these are just women who are not nice. <laughs> not nice women. Yeah, but they're also young enough that it's like we're going to treat them like 10-year-olds. Um, And they were fine with it. It's Man, bad. this was in the it's peak bad. jeans and a cute top era where we would wear these like mm. giant balloon shirts with tiny little oh, pants. Yeah. Now it's all about balloon pants with tiny shirts. Um, <laughs> wow, okay. okay My right. least favorite the reality reverse. show of all time. Uh -huh. I'm so sorry. I was talking over you just now. What would you say? No, 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 no. I just said it's the reverse now. I'm learning. Yes. Oh, yeah. All It's all about tiny shirt, big pants. That's the artistic mm. cool girl look. Um, mm. My least favorite reality show, Sexy Beast. Nothing could be worse. You watch oh, Sexy I'm Beast? Oh, I'm never watching it. I'm never watching oh. it. No. 
worst show on television. Literally, the whole point is hot people are put in prosthetic makeup to look like animals and then have to go on dates with each other to decide if they want to sleep with each other while they're in prosthetic makeup. And all these dumb hot people do is ask each other questions to figure out how hot they are without the makeup on. They don't actually get to know each other. They just sniff out the hotness. It's so bad. I heard that one of the girls from Are You The Ones last season is on it, Carrie, and... uh, That's all I need to know. Carrie's like my least favorite cast member of that season. And I was like, oh, so she's on this. Uh, Okay, good. I'm going to avoid it. And I tell Um, you it's bad. And I watched it all in one day. Of course you did. It's Netflix. I I just snorted. I watched all of Too Hot to Handle season one. And then when season two came out, I said, not, no, no, thank you. Uh, You didn't miss it. But I might end up watching it. (laughs) You No, season two is dumb. Season two is, I mean, There are really likable people, but here's the thing mm. is like, it's like they don't care enough about the money. Like they needed to find poor or hot people because these people were like, yeah. 10 grand to fuck. Worth yeah, it. exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like those two girls happens. in the first season that were like, we're going to kiss and we're going to, it's going to cost us five grand. And you're like, five grand is so much money. Like, it, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, God. Isn't, isn't it frustrating to watch hot people? like not care about money it's like can't you be broke and attractive how are you both how are you just yeah. free well, of capitalism like, and after this, we're gonna sell stuff on instagram after this that's what they're this like we're hot enough for it five grand that's a um, foot picture to them that's just mm, <laughs> mm, that's it you got post okay. feed on on dms <laughs> Okay, track number two. Yeah. Let's get back to our list. Yeah. Track number two is um it's a little bit less eventful. It's New Friends by Pine Grove. Mm-hmm. Um New Friends is um it's a great song. Pine Grove is a band that I discovered at the time through emo revival groups where they kind of got lumped in because the guy sings kind of like he's in an emo revival band, but it's very much like a folk country band. They're from New Jersey, but he sounds like he's from a little in the South. And um, New Friends was the first song I heard by them. And it's just so happy and optimistic that um, it's it made me want to travel more. Um, so I started like submitting to festivals more and booking flights to places I'd never been to just like do comedy there for a week. And um, that was the turning point for me being like, I this is what I want to do with my time. And uh for a while I listened to that album Cardinal on a loop on every flight just cause it got me hyped to get to where I'm going. And then I'd put new fan, new friends on for like a couple times in a row when I was about to land. Uh, just cause it's, it's on an optimistic tune about like, yeah, new friends, let's go out there. Let's have a nice time. I like me. Other people will too. Yeah. So new friends by Pine Grove is my second tune. I love that optimism. I love that that helped. Ins- like it, it was a turning point. It helped inspire you to do something different. That's awesome. Mm. So funny because now it feels like there's every 40 days, there's another song that references no new friends, no new friends, no new but friends, like- no more parties in LA either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody, nobody wants to meet anybody. No, I want bring on the new friends. I'm about it. That is so funny how mm. a bunch of really famous rich people who have a reason to guard their inner circles, make songs about not making friends. And everyone is Mm. like, yes, this is me. This is my life. Mm. That bitch tried to talk to me at Home Depot. And I was like, no new friends, protect your energy. Mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You're crazy. (laughs) I love, I love the positivity of this. 
I think that's yeah. fantastic. And what would you say has been some of your best experiences traveling? You know, what has, uh, since you decided to take on this new leaf and travel, what have been some of your best experiences? Um, Honestly, I, I have to say that like, traveling to uh okay so it's it's a toss-up because going to new york for the second time was a big deal because i was first time it was like a valentine's day thing that got canceled because my ex broke up with me and i just went with like another comic and we oh. just like shared a hotel room uh for uh like a, a, a like a week and then did a bunch of shows and uh that sucked because we didn't plan ahead for them or anything and it was awful but the next time i went down i like sh stayed with shane torres and we bonded and we got on a bunch of shows and i saw a bunch of friends and it was really really nice it felt like hey i can do this i'm i'm just like this little nobody from canada but i'm coming out there and people are excited to see me and they're like oh i've heard of you no way like you're here and that was dope. And I think that was like the first time I was like, I can do that. And then I think another experience that I can think of that was really rewarding was I went to Austin after my friends got married in Fort Worth. Um, and so I was out in Austin for like three days after the wedding and everybody was so nice and so receptive. And I met MK Paulson at an open mic and he was Adore like, him. Steph Tolev. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What a sweetie pie. And we were both on the lineup and he was like, Steph Tolev told me that we're going to be friends. And I was like, she said the same thing about you. And then we both were like kind of giddy being like, no, I want to do, I can't do new material tonight. I want to make sure you laugh. I want you to like me. And then we just <laughs> did a bunch of shows. We went to see, <laughs> we went to um, uh, the movie theater, uh, the one where the, the draft house, Alamo Alamo draft draft house. house. and we saw uh, a boo and Medea Halloween uh, and <laughs> in the middle of the day. Uh, we got Torchy's tacos and then we just did a bunch of shows. It was dope. And he was the best. And it was one of those things where I was like, that's a friend. That's a brand new friend that I'm going to think about and text every now and then and send some love. And, you know, if they're like, who can you think of for this? I'll be like, you gotta have MK Paulson. You know what I mean? And we just had great shows and that's kind of what it's all about in the end. It's like, yeah, it's work and I'm getting paid to do shows and I'm going up and I'm performing and you have to be in the moment and control the room and everything. But then there's like this, Oh, I love, I love my friends. I love this. Like this cool. Yeah. That is very, cool. I, I hate, I hate to put the, the gas pedal down a little bit, but I, I do have to get swinging out uh, soon. So let's go ahead very and jump right into number one. What is your number one? Number song? one. Number one is Accidents by Alexis on Fire. Uh, Accidents is um, Alexis on Fire is my favorite band. Uh, they're the band that I uh, used to hate when they their music would come on because I was so into hip hop. And then they were a post hardcore band with all this screaming. And I was like, I don't get how people can like this. And then uh, Christmas Eve one one year, I was like, I had their, the chorus to the song accident stuck in my head like the uh and i couldn't tell what it was and so i excused myself from the table and like went onto the internet and tried to post on forums like what is this song it's been killing me somebody get back to me and they sent me a bunch of alexis on fire songs and like what albums to get into and all that stuff and from that moment i was like this is it i am so into this band uh and so that was a turning point for me which was like i could be wrong about stuff like I hated their sound. I hated all of it. And now I'm all in. I love that. I love that, that you were, first of all, I love that you went on a forum and said, Hey, what is this song? And people were nice and responded back to you. People, people don't remember this period of the internet where you would just talk to strangers. 
and it was okay. So yeah. I love that. And then I could be wrong yeah. about things is such a amazing, an, an amazing observation to make because it takes a lot to realize I can be wrong and I can learn. And Alexis on Fire is one of those bands that were very peripheral to me. Like I've never actually listened to them, yeah. but I've always heard people talk about it. Like the hot boys who wore eyeliner liked it. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not me though. Couldn't couldn't get into the eyeliner stuff. I was like, I just look like a, a uh, an Italian boy who hasn't had enough sleep. Um, because my <laughs> hair would fro out if I let it get too long, so I couldn't straighten it great. And anyway. <laughs> it was Did you dumb. ever try to straighten it? Please tell me you I had tried a flat once. iron. I tried once. My brother straightened his hair for a while and it looked awful. And I was like, let me try it out. But I love that. I'm just imagining you with just the flat it. ironed emo bang flipping everywhere. Just go. Couldn't look. do nope. it. It would not Couldn't work. My hair is too curly. Even if I flattened it out, I straightened it, it would not stay that way. I My feel hair is like too I thick and curly. I feel like if you grew your hair out, we'd have the same style, just about. Just, I, I mean, it, it gets like this. It fro, it froze up, like a little bit. <laughs> like it comes, it comes up like this and goes on the side. But it does not, it does not move. No matter how heavy it gets, it does not come down. So, was there a significance to choosing this particular song as number one? Yes, uh, this was my. So essentially, this was the the first band that led me into like looking into all the music that I have grown to love and come to appreciate in a deeper way like post-hardcore music is a huge part of my life i started bands i'd uh you know started performing on like as a guest vocalist on some albums um i went to shows and found my punk community of friends that i have to this day this was the song that sparked all of it so literally if it wasn't for being stuck in my head that christmas eve i probably would not have been on this trajectory like I would have probably discovered Fallout Boy later on, you know, because they were super popular, or whatever. But I don't think I'd have gotten this deep in or accepted screaming um, so readily if it wasn't for how pervasive this melody was and how it was just like burrowed into my brain and I needed to get to it. So if it wasn't for that, I don't think I would be who I am today. And that's why I picked it. So Alexis on Fire is my favorite band. They are? That's awesome. Yeah. As now I have to anyone... change the security question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me guess. No one in the band is named Alexis, right? No, not at all. This is that is one thing I hate about the genre is no one like I like the moment I found out Dashboard Confessional was one dude. I felt so betrayed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know why. It just makes me so mad. I'm like everyone's name should be their actual government name. That's nah. No, I used to be in a band called Stan Holiday and the Sunshine Six. Was anyone Stan Holiday? Nope. I hate we were it. two guys. <laughs> we were two guys, like, the Sunshine Six. Like, two guys in a band called the I, The irony of I, it all. You I loved this it. is so I see committing to the bit is something you started uh -huh. early, long before comedy. Uh -huh. You were like, Oh yeah. I've got an oh, idea. Yeah. I'm sticking with it. I'm subverting uh -huh. everyone's expectations and we will see. Okay. So Mike yeah. Carraza, liar. That is <laughs> <laughs> liar. That is your job. Uh -huh. It's what you do. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. I know you have got other podcasts to be a part of so many cool things you're doing. So tell my mm. listeners where they can find you. 
So the best way to find me is find me online at Mike Carroza, M-I-K-E-C-A-R-R-O-Z-Z-A on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I've got a link tree in my bio there that you can get a hold of. And uh, you can check out my album, Cherubic, available on Blonde Medicine Records. And uh, check out um, November 3rd, Just for Last is releasing a compilation. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's a compilation that I am part of from recordings here in Montreal during the Just for Last Festival. I have uh, three tracks on that, and uh, some of it's new material, some of it's from my album, because uh, I hadn't performed in like a year. <laughs> so uh, check that out when that comes out. Ask for me on SiriusXM, and I will be in Montreal for the foreseeable future. So uh, hit me up if you think I'm coming through to your place. I probably am eventually, but there we go. I'm about it. I'm ready to hit the road again. I'm so excited for it. Good. Well, we're excited to see you. Thanks for being a part of this show, yeah. Mike. Uh, if Thanks, you guys Jasmine. are enjoying the show, make sure you listen to Rhythm and Bay on all your streaming platforms. We're on Spotify, iTunes, all the things. Just tell every not iTunes. That's gone. Apple podcast. All right. Just tell people to listen to us and give us those uh -huh. five stars. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you join us on Facebook.com slash rhythm and bay, Twitter, rhythm and bay. That's B A E. And of course, mm. on Instagram at rhythm and bay. Got any questions for us? Send us an email at rhythm and bay at gmail.com. All right, y'all. I've been your host, Jasmine Ellis. Thanks for listening. Keep it smooth. Mm -hmm.